Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome to Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. And I'm your other co-host, Chris LaSalle. Hello, Chris. Hello, Dave. Welcome back to another fun-filled week of Star Trek Minute. Yes, more credits. Yeah. So no guests this week. We're going to spare them the... Having to slog through credits. Yeah, I know. That's, but there is a, you know, once you get through it, gets us, we get into the good stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. It's only only another what three more episodes. Yeah, it's only it's only six minutes worth of credits. That's not bad. Um. So this is minute number four, and this minute starts with the uh, torpedo pod, and ends with Merritt Buttrick as David. Hey. Welcome back, David. Yes. And, you know, there's credits, so obviously, you know, not a lot to talk about. But I would like to talk about one thing about the credits, and that is no Leonard Nimoy. Oh, right. Yes. So you come right into, you know, Star Trek Three: Search for Spock, and goes right to starring William Shatner, to DeForest Kelly, and then immediately goes to the co-starring group. Yeah. I mean, we 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 know what this movie's about now. We know it's the search for Spock, and at this moment, you know, I'm taking it as someone, you know, if I'm the person who's never seen this movie, is that a metaphysical the search for Spock, or is that the physical? Because we're looking at the torpedo tube, the physical looking for Spock. Right. Yeah, I found it interesting too that where the uh, where you know he's usually second. Second, second credit, right? Shatner yep. and then Leonard Nimoy. And <clears throat> where his name would be, uh, everything fades to white. Right. Um, well, yeah, and, we uh, definitely get that, um, uh, I don't know, religious, uh, you know, the, the halo of the sun. And, and then suddenly, yeah, the flash of white out to the clouds as we sort of go to the heavens. Um. I had uh, the tidbit I saw on here. I don't know if you noticed uh, noticed it. I had to kind of look for it, but they there's a there's actually a a pause too between the the pacing of the credits. So it's you know William Shatner, <clears throat> then where Leonard Nimoy's name would be. Right. They skip it, and then DeForest Kelly. So there's a there's a break in the rhythm, and I think the fade to white kind of you don't notice it as much because of the fade to white. Right. Yeah. Uh, but they, but they didn't just go from Shatner to DeForest. They, they have an empty slot for where Nimoy's name would be. Right. Yeah. So sad. <laughs> so sad. He's not going to be in the movie. Apparently not. <laughs> Why is it called search for Spock? I don't know. Again, that goes back to my original question. Is it the metaphysical, you know, the meta, uh, you know, the religious, you know, I'm searching for God. I'm searching for whatever. And or is it the physical, the you know, the they're actually physically going to search for Spock. I think I went into it, you know, I was still a kid when this came out <clears throat> and you know, the trailers didn't really show give us any any Spock right, yeah. moments. 
Um, so I definitely went into this with, with the, you know, well, it's, they're probably going to find him, but also like, well, maybe they won't find him. You know, I, I, I had, I was a little dubious, you know, and like, well, maybe it won't be, maybe it's the metaphor, not, not that I think I knew if metaphys- metaphysical was in yeah. 13. Uh, I think the absence of the name, too, also makes you pause for a second to be like, hmm, maybe, you know, if you're sitting down and you're like, oh, they're going to find Spock in this movie, like maybe it gives you a little bit of pause to say, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. they're not, maybe they're just looking for the next Spock. Right. I would, I would have liked to have been the fly on the wall. Um, you know, go back in time now and actually watch the audience see that. In, right. In, in, was there a stir, you know, in the crowd? Like, well, wait a minute. Isn't that Nimoy's name? Wouldn't Nimoy's name just have been there? Yeah, why Why don't we see his name? Why don't we see his name? You know, that sort of thing. Right. So, can we talk about the font? <laughs> yeah, you had uh, you'd sent me over an email earlier, earlier this week about um, the logos for Star Trek. And I, this is obviously different than um, uh, Wrath of Khan. Very different. And I, my, I mean, I did some research on it because because it was different, and I was, I was like, uh, I don't know if I really care for it so much. And then I uh, realized that oh, I love Wrath of Khan. That's part of the reason I love the opening titles and the fonts that go with it. Um, but I also realized that. Wrath of Khan is the oddball out. Right. All yeah, the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if the logo change is a product of, uh, you know, Meyer, you know, and his changing of, you know, getting rid of the, I'm going to say the stink, but the stink of the motion picture, like, get, you know, distancing yourself from that. I mean, it was, it was a, it, it, it was a box office success, I guess. I mean, it did money, but it wasn't like the overwhelming success they wanted it to be. So did they, Sort of, you know, you know, they changed the uniforms, they changed the logo, you know. Did they want to distance themselves completely from what that image portrayed, you know? Well, and yeah. I feel like, you know, he changed the music too, right? I mean, yep, James Horner. Um, I, I would bet there's probably a little bit of that. I think the, I think the Rathacon opening titles kind of fits with the look of the film too you know the yeah just get that uh, I, i'd have to go back and really look but i want to say if you see if you see things painted on the walls uh, they may actually be in that font as well uh, but i think you're right i think that that may have been just you know just just a little bit of a distancing from the motion picture but now we are whoosh, kind of coming back a little bit right yeah they sort of came back to that that same style i mean it's a little bit different not not very but it's just just different enough to make it, you know, sort of. You have to look at them both to be like, okay, what's different? Something's something's not right here. And I think it's the S and the K, you know, are the difference. Right. So the font, the font name is the Galaxy font. Pretty appropriate. <laughs> and uh, really, this is the third third style font, and well, at least up until this point. Yep. Uh, you've got the original series font, which I'm I. Still love. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. You got the motion picture, <clears throat> which uh, introduced the galaxy font. You have Wrath of Khan, which <laughs> the the font name for Wrath of Khan. It, I don't even know how you pronounce it. it I'm going to say or or Watnor. 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 Yeah. U R W T N O R. Yeah. Don't know what it means. Um, and in search for Spock, they come back around. Right. So you've 
So you've got, you've gone back to the galaxy font. Um, you still have the James, you still have James Horner. Yep. So you're just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> They're probably people forgiven. <laughs> I would suspect by this point, uh, the motion picture is five years old at this point. Right. They've forgiven a little bit and maybe a little bit more nostalgic for the motion picture at this point. And so, uh, for whatever reason, we're back to the classic film font. I know. Uh, probably the listeners are like, oh my God, how can they can be talking about fonts and logos? And I find it, I've, maybe it's, you know, I was a graphic designer in my previous life and, uh, you know, my previous career, and I just find this all extremely fascinating. Like, even from the original, which is mirrored into the reboot, the reboot has a little bit of that into it to the, you know, the motion picture, which is similar in, you know, one, three, four, five, somewhat six is sort of that same galaxy. And then, you know, the, the oddball, you know, Wrath of Khan. And then you have all of the, um, the next generation ones, which are all relatively similar, but again, all have their own little differences here and there. Yeah. What do you think about that? I Maybe almost feel just, yeah. I feel like they should have just stuck with one and I mean I'll bring up Star Wars. I mean it's done Star Wars pretty uh pretty good since, you know, episode four and they carried the Star Wars look. I mean now the names have been different, you know, Empire, Phantom Menace, whatever what have you, but they've always incorporated that original look into it and it's you know you can't go anywhere without recognizing even if it was a different word, oh that's the Star Wars logo. Right. You know? Yeah, no, I agree. I, if I, if I had my druthers, I would say, you know, they should have stuck with the original, the television logo. Right. Yeah. Uh, which, which I would, I know when, when, um, we started seeing previews for the, you know, the 2009 reboot, you know, and that was the, you know, pretty much that font that they used. I was like, yes. Um, but yeah, I find it distracting, especially every, you know, every single Star Trek film has a different look to it. And, for a franchise, it just seems like an odd choice. Because if you, like you said, if they were doing that with Star Wars, every Star Wars film was some, you know, some random font that the producers picked or the art director, I think people would be annoyed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm annoyed. I don't know. I just, I go back and I, I love the classic, and I just feel like, and even the oddball. I mean, I think out of all the logos, I think Khan is my second favorite. And then I just, I, I'm, I think you had mentioned I'm, I'm just not a big fan of the galaxy logo yeah you, you don't use the galaxy font in your memos at work no <laughs> i'm gonna try and find this or what though start sending my emails using that font that'd be fun <laughs> all right moving on <laughs> and a font talk yeah people are like okay move on well it is so, the credits yeah it's the credits come on guys so we got the usual cast of characters, right? DeForest, James Doohan, George Takei, Walter and Michelle. But I found this one fun is that we got an also starring Mark Leonard as Sarek. Yep. That's pretty cool. Um, so he's our first, well, new, would you call it new character? No, I guess returning character. Well, he's um, new to the, was he in, I don't think he was in uh, motion picture, was certainly not in, um, certainly was not in, uh, Khan. Right. Well, he was, Mark Leonard was in the motion picture. Uh, yes. He was one of the Klingons that 
uh, in the opener when Beejer uh, came in and took out those three Klingon warbirds. Um, he played one of the one of the, or the Klingon commander. Um, so that's kind of a fun. I, he's he's been he's played them all now, right? So yep. he's a Vulcan. He was a Romulan. That was his first appearance um, in Balance of Terror in the original series, and uh, and a Vulcan. So he's got the trifecta. I don't know that's is that actually a trifecta. People people want to play all three of those aliens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I I get it. Like he's like the first non previous <laughs> movies character. Like yeah, he's like a, a secondary character, right? First, yeah. one of the first secondary characters to come back. Although right. Commander Kyle was in, sorry, Commander Kyle was in Rathacon. He was a secondary, or he was like a third tier character, I guess. Yep. So, but yeah, so Sarek, um, I just did, did a little bit on, you know, looked on Mark Leonard's resume. Um, you know, in addition to being in the Star Trek series for a couple episodes, he was in the animated series playing Sarek, uh, or the voice of. He was in Star Trek three, four, five, and six. Yep. Um, and then he, he kind of wrapped things up in Next Generation. Which have you gotten that far? I know you're rewatching Next Generation. Have you I know, but episodes? that is one of my the. I've actually seen the. I think I've seen the episode, or maybe I just watched it out of order. But the might have been on TV. The episode where he's got to do the delegation, and clearly he's affecting the crew. And the only way for him to, uh, you know, to do his duty is to sort of mind meld with Picard, and which is a fantastic acting job by um, Patrick Stewart. You know, I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen an episode. I know which one you're talking about, and I, I actually got a little bit of goosebumps as you're talking about it. Is that the one where he's he, like Picard just locked in a room and he's like he's laughing and then crying yeah, and then all these things like a one behind the other? Yeah, he's like feeling all the emotions that Sarek sort of purged into Picard, right? Just so he can pull off that one last job, right? Yeah, logically, and um, yeah, that, I think that was a. Not to digress too much, I think that was a really uh, smart writing choice, you know, as far as, because I think he had, it was like the Vulcan equivalent of Alzheimer's or something, right? Where it's just, he couldn't control his emotions anymore. Yeah, he couldn't control them, and when they bled out, they it affected other people, and uh, I believe it was, in, um, however you say it, non-curable, incurable, uncurable? Incurable? Incurable. So, mm-hmm. there was no uh, no way for them to you know, purge it. Yep. I think that'd be a fun, a fun thing we should do this season is talk about all the kind of the tangential episodes, <laughs> or at least, you know, give people a, Hey, for, you know, more info, you guys should go check out. I mean, Sarek has obviously got at least, at least one, two, three, four, five episodes of Star Trek. You can go and watch right. just to get some, some extras. Um, and uh, we'll talk more about him, I guess, when we actually get, get to his, uh, to his, his minutes. Yeah. yeah. But, um, one thing that uh, to totally remain on this tangent is um, the new sh- the new show. He's going to be not Mark Leonard, obviously, but the character Sarek, a younger Sarek, will be on the show, which I find fascinating. And the relationship that he will have with the uh, the main character, I will I also find very interesting. Yeah, I don't know how I feel. I. I like that they're using, they're, you know, they're going to use him as a character. They could have just as easily, I guess, done that with another Vulcan. Um, it's an interesting choice because you could do that show with just any old Vulcan. Yep. But they, 
but the producers obviously picked Sarek for a reason, and I'm very curious what that reason was and why. You know, is it is it just you know is it just to link it to you know, the later episodes, or are they is it you know? I suspect there's going to be some good writing there, and there's yeah. going to be some. And uh, I'm dying to know what uh what they've got in store. Yes, me too. Do you know Mark Leonard was also in Buck Rogers in the 25th Century? I did not. I did not know that. Were you a Buck Rogers fan? Huge Buck Rogers fan. I mean, who wasn't an you know an Aaron Gray fan? <laughs> not Jill, Gil, 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 Gerard. Gil Gerard. Um Yeah, I liked. You know, obviously, I like Buck and Tweaky, but he, come on, she was wearing those skin tight pants. <laughs> uh, I remember seeing the. Um, the pilot, I saw this, but both the pilot for Buck Rogers, which is like a TV movie or something, and then the pilot for Battlestar Galactica, the original series, uh, both of those got played at my movie, at the movie theaters. I saw both of those in the movie theater. Huh. Did you, did you ever, was that just me? Did I imagine that? No, I didn't imagine it. <laughs> did you see them? Did you see them, get a chance to see them in the theater? I did not. No commercials, so that was nice. It's like watching Hulu today. <laughs> Sponsored by Hulu. All right. So who else we got? Oh, we end the minute with... Um, with David. David. Mayor Patrick. So David's back. That's nice. Um, so we'll get a little, little more David action. Yep. Hopefully, um, it's, hopefully it's not whiny David. Yeah, one would hope after he's gotten through that phase, you know, now that he's reconciled with his dad. Although we don't know, you know, maybe that's just... David is. I mean, he's always going to be whiny. Or was he whiny because he wasn't reconciled with his dad? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, I had one general comment about the the minute. Um, I know the camera is like I think we're running in reverse now, almost right. We saw we started with the <clears throat> phone to, photon. We started with the photon tube on the ground. Yeah. We see some of the space ferns uh, flashes up into the sun. Um, everything goes to white and then we're now we're, we're kind of backing through the clouds all I can think of looking at the clouds is Superman oh really isn't the opening logo for one of the Superman movies just all through the clouds and we get the you know the yeah out I think so I think the I think what I think of when I see the clouds is I think of uh, Star Trek 4 when they're in Earth's atmosphere and they're like speeding through really fast, like trying to get to the the whaling vessel. Oh yeah, yep. That's what I think of. We'll have to remember that when we get there. Yes. We can compare and contrast and see if it's the same clouds. I had one other thing I just wanted to share. We didn't talk about it last week. Um, it was just some more uh, some numbers uh, and stats uh, about Search for Spock. Um, this movie had a budget of $17 million, uh, which was up from the Rathacon had a measly $11.2 million budget that had been drastically cut because of because of the motion picture and right. its quote-unquote success at the box office. Um, so increase in budget. Um, its uh, box office take in the U.S. was $78.9 million, and its opening weekend uh, took in $14.3 million. Um, it was the second highest opening weekend uh, that year. Our pals at Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, <laughs> their movie came out the weekend before, and they pulled in. They they had the record uh, for the year. They pulled in sixteen point six million dollars that 
that weekend. So, uh-huh. um, and yeah, and I think we talked about it last week that Searcher Spockley like placed ninth overall yeah. for for to- total box office draw that that year. Yeah, that was a good um, year for movies. Oh my gosh, I know. So, anyway, that was all I had for this minute, Dave. Do you have anything else? I don't. All right. Should we uh, call it here then? And we shall reconvene on Wednesday. All right. Sounds good. Well, in the meantime, folks, if you want to find us online, you can uh, check us out on Facebook at the Star Trek Minute Listener Federation. Uh, if you can join up and talk about the uh, talk about Search for Spock, talk about your favorite minutes, favorite moments. Um, love to hear from you. And um, we'll be back again on Wednesday with Minute 5 of Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Here at the Star Trek Minute. <laughs>